Welcome to the Race Forward Pod. This is your host, Lydia Igwe. With a creative industry background, you may wonder how to create a connection with diversity and inclusion. But with a passion and drive, the transition can be unimaginably seamless. Our guest is an award-winning filmmaker with a huge passion for diversity. With his urge to do more towards inclusion and a nudge for depth and drive for DNI, he found his path adding value in HR and driving for diversity and inclusion. Committed to educating, informing and transforming mindsets, he aims to change work environments around him to make them more inclusive. He brings on board an expert skill set on achieving and showing commitment to sustainable DNI initiatives and was named in the Global Diversity List in 2020, a significant mark on the impact of his work around diversity and inclusion. Jeffrey Williams is Global Head of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion for highly acclaimed shoe brand Dr Martins. He is also the co-founder of the social enterprise Rocking Your Teens, working with teens to steer them to a positive and vibrant future. Wow, wow, wow. Jeffrey, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. How are you? Thank you, Lydia. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so you are a man of many talents, Jeffrey, obviously. And <laughs> You know, reading about your history, I know that you started in the entertainment industry. So what made you switch to diversity and inclusion? So the switch to diversity and inclusion happened a lot later than it wasn't the first thing I did outside of music. So, you know, leaving music initially, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I'd spent, I guess, from being a 12 year old watching Blue Peter and deciding that I wanted to go to the Brit school, going to the Brit school doing a degree focused on the entertainment industry and then working for a boutique management company, managing various artists and songwriters and producers and stuff. And as we started to head into, I guess, like 2006, 2007, the industry started to change. That company unfortunately folded. And I started to, I guess, evaluate what I wanted to do. And also my peer group around me who hadn't gone into, I guess, the creative music space, we're not starving, um, you know, poor starving artists. <laughs> and so I kind of was like, you know something, there's probably something else that I could do, have a career and just be, go back to being a fan of music. And so I made that decision. And initially I was working in recruitment, which uh, for anyone that hasn't worked in recruitment, it wasn't, wasn't the job for me. It really, I found it annoying having to work to quotas, to not really look at the whole person and try and find the dream job for that individual. It was mm-hmm. like, nope, you need to just get them in built got bums on seats it, yeah it, just, it wasn't fun and then in 2008 I was lucky enough to land an organization called Thompson Reuters and I joined that organization working in their learning and development team planning their global learning events and effectively kind of taking my entertainment music background and applying that to adult learning in the corporate environment and it was you know it was a lot of fun I learned a lot and within Thompson Reuters there's just at the time there were just so many opportunities to try your hand at different things. So I kind of moved into a role more specifically focused around OD and then I did a purely talent role. And while doing the purely talent role, I was responsible for some of our MBA students um, or our leaders doing MBA qualifications. And had a day where I kind of had a bit of running with one of the lovely guys and just felt like there was something more that we should be doing to support our employee base. And my manager at the time said, oh, well, you know, we need a gender strategy. Would you want to write that? And I was like, no, I do not want to write that. You're asking <laughs> me to do that because I'm the, the black man, the 
diversity in your team. I, I don't want to do that. He was like, you know, I'm going to challenge you there. Do you know what diversity and inclusion is about? And my response was, yeah, it's about making more, making it more diverse, like, you know, hiring people just because. And he was like, no, that's not what it's about. I suggest you go and find out a bit more about the subject area. I think you'd be perfect in a role like this. And I guess the rest is history. I did go and do the research. I uh, applied for then the kind of first ever DNI uh, team within Thompson Waiters, got the job, and then moved around and did lots of things until I became the global head of diversity and inclusion at Thompson Reuters. So that's how I got into DNI. <laughs> wow, I love that. You got challenged. You got told, man. I got told. <laughs> yes, he was like, no. Yeah, I, I, I think it was like I, I think I, I shook him with my statement of I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know that guy like a bottle of prosecco or champs i think <laughs> that's really interesting and, and looking back at your early career i mean you've obviously learned a lot but you know what what's the number one lesson that you've learned and what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career in dni so i think throughout all the things that i've done in my career the one thing that i guess i've held on to is trying to remain true to myself and true to my values so I always want to do right by the people I'm supporting, the people I'm working with. And in a way, I know that I want to be responsible for change and everything that I'm doing. So that's kind of always been the fundamental part of my work. I think the thing that I would say to someone trying to pursue a career in DNI is to understand why they're going into that role and what they're, they're looking to achieve. Because mm-hmm. I think doing diversity, equity and inclusion work in a corporate business is very different to doing it in a charity, very different doing it in a creative space. And I think it's that kind of understanding why. Because I feel sometimes people go, I want to work in DNI because I want to create spaces where there's more equity and more diversity. But actually, where you actually might be able to make that change is by becoming a senior leader in an organization. Because then you truly are doing the hiring and the firing. Doing the DNI role, you're kind of there to set up the strategy to make sure that people understand how your policies and practices could be more equitable. And I think that's the piece I was I kind of always talk about. It's DNI stuff is very much behind the scenes and it's influencing. If you're in a more senior role, you actually have the power to make those changes. So know why you're going into DNI in the first place. Some that's a really good point and some really good nuggets there. Now, talking about one of your many accolades, you were named on the Global Diversity List for 2020. That's amazing, which <laughs> celebrates, you know, the, the people that work tirelessly to ensure that diversity and inclusion are at the very heart of everything they do. So how did you work towards this achievement and what has driven this passion? Apart from the guy telling you, obviously, you need to go into your homework. <laughs> <laughs> so... I just got told I was on the list. I, you know, that I'm someone behind closed doors had a conversation and I was fortunate enough to be considered in the conversation. So I, I, for that, I am truly honoured. I think, you know, as I said, like at the, at the top of this conversation, I'm really committed to changing my environment and the people I work with around me and giving them insights and education. So that's kind of been the driving force for everything that I do with my social enterprise, with my film company, with my day job, it's all about that piece of how can I educate, how can I inform, how can I shift that one mindset? And, you know, I think, you know, within this list, I think there's, you know, that's what everybody on that list was doing. So I feel very honoured to be ranked against those individuals and also to kind of, I guess, be, to be able to see what I'm doing. Because I think sometimes I know I'm not always my 
biggest cheerleader or the most vocal about what I'm getting up to. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. So the, the passion is making a difference and that shows across all the different things you're doing as part of this portfolio that you have. But you obviously currently work for Dr. Martins. Yep. How is your work affecting DNI in the company? So my work is affecting DNI within Dr. Martins in the sense of providing education creating spaces for them to have conversations with not only me, but other external experts, supporting them in thinking how they integrate DNI into their brand narrative. And, and I think as an organization, they've kind of had inclusion be the heart of the business way before I joined the organization. That's been one of their, the linchpin of their identity. And I think it's now, how do they continue to do that as a growing organization and, and kind of incorporating some of the things that are I guess, standard practice in the marketplace into this business that is on a very you know, steep trajectory. So I think for me, the hope is that I'm able to support them to you know, devise and implement processes that include everybody. Think about how you know, the business grows and what are our kind of people goals and how does DNI feed into that. And then just be in a place where we're able to talk authentically to our audiences about how we will show up and how we will support our society in the right ways. Yeah, definitely. And so talk to me more about these goals. You know, what are your DNI goals at Dr. Martins? So at the moment, I've just joined the organisation. So I'm, I'm kind of literally just pitching all of that, depending on when everyone hears this. Yeah. I'm going to use, I'm going to say next week, but, you know, <laughs> you might, it'll be over with by the time you hear this. But so I'm, you know, encouraging them to think about how we look at our kind of acquisition processes how we engage in the conversation of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And as I said, where, where do we show up? Not only externally in the marketplace, but internally for our employees. And I think for me at the moment, I'm very internally focused in my role. It's very much about the people that are in the business and how do we kind of create that environment to, for them to definitely feel included and that the, their opinions matter and that representation counts. Mm, belonging. Is, yes. is a key thing there definitely mm -hmm. and as obviously a consumer brand diversity inclusion has to absolutely be important in terms of demonstrating that to your consumers so I suppose what are the certain interactions that you do to try and demonstrate diversity and inclusion to your brand consumers so I think how you demonstrate diversity to your consumers is in the images they use it's the partnerships they create with you know different NGOs, nonprofits, how they sharpen the conversation of diversity, equity and inclusion. So I think we saw some good examples of that during last year's Black Lives Matter uh, moment. I think, you know, we, we see it when we have people talking about disabilities or mental health and the way that organisations are really engaging in different campaigns. So I think it's those moments. I think it's also thinking about the long-term narrative of what you're doing. So not just doing it for the moment and thinking about how can this be integrated into our business for the next, you know, 10 to 15 years. And also reminding yourself that even though there are ebbs and flows in the conversation of diversity and inclusion, there isn't actually a finish line. Mm. This is ongoing. There's going to be constant things that change every time. So, you know, 10 years ago, we were not having the same conversations around trans inclusion as we are now. Mm. And so it, it's going to be a constant shift. Something else will, will come up that we'll need to address in the working world. And, you know, there are going to be different expectations. So I think just understanding that part as well as you 
think about your brand and your position. Definitely. And you mentioned that you're very keen on the sort of internal and the, the people element in your role. So what do you believe are the fundamentals then of effective employee engagement in sort of creating that inclusive culture that you want at Dr. Martins? I think, you know, when you look at inclusion, it's that piece of making sure that people feel heard mm. and that if they state an opinion and there's a, you know, there's a consensus of more than one person, because you can't, unfortunately, we can't change things for one individual every single time because we'd be constantly changing things for different people and it just wouldn't, wouldn't work in the, in the big. But I do think it's that piece of, you know, if your employee base is saying that we need to do more work to support our you know, LGBT plus colleagues, that we actually consider that and look at how we can do that. If it's the conversation of you know, representation at different levels within the organisation, how do we go about finding not only the right partners, but looking at our practices and making sure that we address that shift that needs to happen to do that. So I, I think it's those moments. I think it's also kind of committing to the work you know, um, and not just, you know, providing lip service. And as I said earlier on, I feel like, you know, Dr. Martins has been an organisation that has lived by inclusion, but they haven't necessarily talked about it outside of their four walls. So it's one of these weird things. I, I, I don't think I've worked for an organisation where it has such a community vibe and that everybody's wanting to get involved in various projects and that there's so much dialogue. However, looking at the brand, I don't think you would see that unless you work there. So it's kind of finding those moments as well for us to be able to reflect some of that outside of the, um, you know, the four walls of the business. That's a very, very important, I suppose, because clearly um, people are looking in as well as you looking out, right? So yeah. they go hand in hand. Okay, well, we've talked about, you know, I mean, Dr. Master's is a major company, global, <laughs> but you're also <laughs> used to working, all, you know, with all types of different sizes of companies. So I suppose if, if I was trying to think about that CEO or managing director of a small business that just has no idea potentially where to start or even a startup, a founder of a startup looking to create an inclusive culture as their business grows. What do you think they should be thinking about when they're trying to, you know, do all of that to, to think about diversity and inclusion? So I think if you are a startup, you have the opportunity to consider everything from sustainability to diversity and inclusion to your to your culture to the you know the vision you have for your organization and to have uh, inclusion equity diversity belonging be the heartbeat and the center of it and I think that is one of the things I think if you are in a startup situation that you should be considering and 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 I would say, you know, think about diversity in its broadest sense. So a lot of startups are, are started by friends, you know, from a certain environment. So whether that's, you know, everybody that grew up on the same council estate to everybody that went to the same university, that's how it starts. And then once you've kind of got your core members, I think it's then branching out and thinking, how do I bring someone in that's going to bring something new to this party? Someone that's going to have a new perspective. And I think that's always the hard part because you kind of lean into this group thing, especially when it's small. You know, when it's like three, four, five people, it's like, oh, we want everyone to get on. We don't want anyone to ruffle the feathers. And I think where that you'll have the greatest innovation is where you do bring in those that run ruffle the feathers a bit more. I think when you then have a medium-sized enterprise or a very small, I don't know, 100 to 500 people organization, it's that piece of continuing to listen to your people and really understand what are their expectations of the brand how do they feel like they can authentically align to your goals and then what are the processes you're using to bring talent in 
again, I go back to the point of it has to be people that bring different insights and that will continue to help your business grow. Because I think most people that start an organization now, they all want to, you know, be CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies with thousands of employees. You know, if everyone's honest, that's the vision they have in their heads. Mm -hmm. But to get there, I feel like there is a shift now where you just can't be solely based around your product and your offerings. You need to think about how you, what is your impact on society and your impact on society is attached to your people. So having clarity around how your people show up, what they say and, and what, and what, their position on your brand means is is key yeah i love the element of diversity of thought and that's really important to help businesses grow as well so and you have your own social enterprise called rock your teams right Mm -hmm. so what was your motivation for creating your company tell us a little bit about it and i'm really keen to also find out what's been your most outstanding achievement since it launched <laughs> so Rocking Your Teens was born out of a conversation with the co-founders, um, Jenny Garrett and Sandy Paris. I bumped into Jenny at I think it was the uh, launch event for the Black British Business Awards. And she kind of said, Oh, what are you up to now? And I said, Oh, I'm heading up diversity and inclusion at an organization called Thompson Reuters. And she was kind of like, Oh, uh, would you guys wanna host a one-off event for young girls? I'd like to do something around aspirations for young girls between the ages of 13 and 14. And I kind of looked at her and said, But what about the boys? <laughs> and she was like, Oh, the boys are always getting things. I'm like, mm, I'm not saying they don't, but let's think about it this way. We bring the girls together and we have this conversation about aspiration, you know, what it means to be a woman today and how they should be managing their careers and the, and the ways in which people should be you know, engaging with them. Mm-hmm. And we've got the same group, of, we've got a group of boys of the same age that have never had this conversation. And then they go all go into the world of work and then me leading D&I and has to have two very different conversations because our young women have one expectation and our boys have none. Let's think of, let's think of how we can build something that mm-hmm. bridges that a bit. So then Rocking Your Teens was born around, I guess, bridging that gap, but also supporting some of the conversation around mental well-being, mental health, and also kind of, I guess, flipping the career conversation on its head. So there are a plethora of things that young people can be doing now, some of which as parents we have no clue about, and some of which we will have kind of have the tried and tested, you know, lawyer, doctor, accountant, CEO of a business will we'll know about those kind of things. And I think it's kind of giving them access to lots of different people have, that have walked many different roads, people who have been really well, done really well academically, those who academics was not for them, but then they still managed to find their path and kind of giving them that nugget. So, the, you know, I guess the overall principle is, uh, you know, we can only be ourselves. And when we are at our best is when we truly understand who we are and getting them to realise that, you know, at a younger age is the gift that we're trying to give them. I think our, you know, our greatest achievement was our second year where we, where we did our boys and girls conference and just, I guess, seeing the impact of the conversations of the speakers on the two, two events that we did. So we do separate them out. Um, we spoke to a number of teachers and they were like, actually, don't do a mixed gender event, do, do a, a, a separate, separated gender event that will have more impact. And just seeing you know, the young women kind of come in at the start and how reluctant they were to speak. But, you know, then kind of asking some really hard-hitting questions. And the boys coming in with a lot of bravado and then seeing them shift and being quite emotional in what they were sharing about, you know, their mental well-being, about, uh, you know, racial profiling. Just some of the things they shared is just so powerful. So I think 
you know, doing that, seeing that come to life has been the proudest moment for me. And then, you know, during this pandemic, we've done a number of online activities as well. And that's been a phenomenal thing to watch and see us ebb and flow, uh, like, all, like most organisations in this challenging time. That's beautiful. I love that, especially as you're talking about, you know, real impact there. People being themselves and really understanding who they are and their true potential. And I think that's a key age as well, where you have so many insecurities that you just sometimes need a nudge, right, to someone to motivate you to realise your potential. So that, that's, that's really powerful. So what tips would you give to people who want to identify if an employer or brand is inclusive before joining as an employee, especially for millennials in this day and age, they really care about that. But I suppose, yeah, what, what things should people look out for? I think it's, uh, you know, reading the organisation's annual report, um, getting to understand however possible you can their people strategy. So, you know, what's their growth strategy? What's their, what's their performance been like? in the sense of financials and I know this is all everyone says really financials I'm like yeah look at how the company's performing because that also aligns to how much they're going to be willing to engage in diversity and inclusion like where their mindset's going to be because a lot of the time if they're not performing well their mindset's going to be around the performance of the actual business and they may not always consider the people so be mindful of that and then look at whether they have an actual DNI statement is there something anywhere on their website, in their annual report, on their Instagram feed, on their LinkedIn feeds that's talking about what they stand for? I think look at the leadership and see if you see anyone that looks like you, that understands your lived experiences. Again, if you can't see that in your interview, you can ask that question. Like, what do you guys do around inclusion? You can ask them even like, you know, what's your gender pay? Look at their gender pay report and ask some questions around the gender pay report and see whether the person interviewing you actually has a position or an understanding of why they scored what they scored in their gender pay report because I think you know if the organization is truly engaging in the conversation of inclusion they will discuss their results they will discuss their vision of where they're going next and that person interviewing you should be able to articulate that I think it's also the piece of as you're being interviewed who is interviewing you is it a certain type of individual is it someone you know and is everyone that you speak to from a similar ilk then effectively that might if you're looking for diversity and inclusion that might not be the organization for you so I, I, that, those are the things I'd say to look out for. Wow, there's a whole checklist there. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. brands will definitely uh, lose out on some talent if they're not scoring <laughs> high. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's also, you know, I, I, I would also say if this, if it's your dream job, it's the credit you want to get into, you know, then you might have to be the person that builds that diversity. Mm. But, you know, but I think it's the understanding of, you know, you look for what you think you need and if you feel like you're going to get the support you need for your career and for your development. And I think that's the imperative there, you know, or above everything else. I think it's important to start as you mean to go on, isn't it? You know, you yeah. don't want to get into an organisation where, yes, they've recruited you for the diversity, but then you don't feel included. You can't bring your authentic self to work. There's no career progression opportunities. I mean, so yeah, it's definitely worth taking time to think about this. Yeah, and I think also, you know, if we're all being honest nobody wants to be the diversity hire no one wants to be like oh well I'm here because I'm gay or I'm here because I'm black or I'm here because I'm in a wheelchair that's why they hired me because people will treat you like that and I think it's you know for organizations they need to remember that fact that you know how they source their talent how they bring people into the process is also an imperative and then what they tell their staff so that no one says oh you're part of that BAME recruitment thing that we were doing to someone and yeah. when that might not actually be the case and you know 
throughout the years, I know I've heard those stories where someone wasn't part of the grad scheme, wasn't part of the, you know, BAME project, but, uh, you know, everyone thought they were because they were black or they were Asian and they were happened to be in the room. And, and I think it's those, yeah, I know, uh, you know, and it's those moments to, to think about that and think about how you address it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jeffrey, obviously we've, we've talked a lot about diversity, belonging, and also supporting the next generation to actually be themselves and reach their true potential, as well as your, you know, colourful history and, and amazing aspects. <laughs> But do you have any final words that you think we haven't covered that you'd really like to leave with our listeners? The thing I kind of say to everyone at the moment is make sure that you believe in yourself and that you do the work on yourself to be able to believe in your capabilities and your ability. And then listen to, your, listen to yourself as well. Because you know, I think at the start you asked me about my career and switching careers. And it took me a while to actually listen to the fact that I needed to step away from music. I needed to go back to being a fan and not be in the industry. And that was hard as well because it was such a big part of my identity. And it was that piece of I really had to listen to myself and lean into that comfortably. And it wasn't easy. But I would say, you know, that is the the one thing I'd say to everybody, like, wrapping up this session today. Trust your instincts and listen to yourself. Yes. yes. I like yes. And it's worked. It's worked for you. So... <laughs> Awesome advice. Thank you so much for your time, Jeffrey. Honestly, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So where can people find out more about the work that you're doing and connect with you if they want to support or just kind of keep in touch? Yeah, sure. So um, obviously you can find me on LinkedIn, Jeffrey O. Williams. You can follow Rocking Your Teens, Rocking, R-O-C-K-I-N-G, your spelled U-R, teens, T-E-E-N-S. And then you can find me on most platforms, Instagram, Twitter, as GW Entertainment, all one word. Love it. Okay, thanks. And best of luck with everything. I'm sure you'll thanks. be on another global diversity list. At some <laughs> thanks so much. Take care, Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Race Forward Pod. I'm your host, Lydia Igwe. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. Do visit us on social media at RaceForwardPod or visit our website www.racefordpod.com. See you in the next episode.